Hey everybody, welcome to Church Online here at South Fellowship Church. I'm Larry Boatwright, I'm one of the pastors here. So glad you chose to worship with us today, whether you're in your living room or uh, with your family or wherever you might be, it's our pleasure that you came to worship with us today. It's gonna be a great morning together. I wanna remind you, if you're watching online through our Church Online platform, there's a chat area down below or to the side. Uh, there's also a button that says Live Prayer and you can click that Live Prayer and someone, one of our pastors, We'll connect with you right away and start praying with you. Uh, so let's keep doing that. Let's pray during the service. You can chat with others during the service. Shout out where you're from. It's going to be an amazing morning. If for whatever reason the feed gets stuck this morning, you can go to our website, southfellowship.org. There'll be a link there where you can watch it on YouTube. Let's get started in our worship today. Good morning, South. It's an honor to worship with you guys this morning. Let's go ahead and sing to our King together. Come and stand before your maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold his power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Beloved of the Lord, one with everlasting kindness, but with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know the affections of a father who will never let them go. sickness all our sorrows jesus carried up the hill he has walked this path before us he is walking with us still turning tragedy to triumph turning agony to praise there is blessing in the battle so take heart and stand song this morning. It's called Won't Stop Now. And the reason why we're singing it is because 
It's a song that orients our hearts to think back to where God has brought us and in faith proclaim hope in where he's taking us. So in a, in a situation that's maybe confusing to a lot of people, um, in a time of history that's been so foreign to each and every one of us, let us hold fast to the confession that God has brought us through and God will continue to bring us. Sing with me. I give you glory for all you brought me through. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. I'm moving forward to follow after you. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. Your presence is an open door. We want you.
sense your presence. Sing again. 
Before we sing this next song, I just wanted to read a passage out of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. So as I read this, just, just let it really sink in. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
morning, South Fellowship Church. I'm so glad you joined us today. If you're a visitor with us, thanks for tuning in with us. My name is Aaron Bjorklund. I'm one of the pastors here at South Fellowship Church. I'm really glad you joined us. If you've been following along with us over the last several weeks and months, we've been in the series through the Gospel of Mark. And last week we took a short detour through that series because we felt like we needed to address what was going on in the world today. And this week we were wondering whether we should continue that detour, but we didn't know when we selected the Gospel of Mark that the pandemic was going to affect the world like it has, but God did. <laughs> and so we decided to pick up our series this week and trust that God knew that this was a message that we were gonna have to hear. And let me tell you, as I've looked into the chapters that are in this to come, I think God knew exactly what he was up to. And so we're gonna dive back into our series in the Gospel of Mark. Speaking of selecting the Gospel of Mark as our series, several months ago, a small subset of the staff gathered in a conference room in order to plan our winter and spring series. And pretty quickly in the course of that gathering, the Gospel of Mark started to rise to the surface as one of the most viable options. And I gotta tell you, I wasn't one of the ones voting for the Gospel of Mark. You see, the Gospel of Mark is my, was my least favorite gospel. <laughs> and yeah, I know, I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to have favorite books of the Bible, but I felt like it was so surfacy and the stories were so quick and so high-paced that they weren't very deep. And so I wasn't voting for the Gospel of Mark, and, but since I didn't have the guts to admit that to the rest of the staff, here we are, a series in the Gospel of Mark. So not too long after that, I decided, well, I might as well study this book a little bit and see what we're in store for as a community. So I started to study this book. And pretty early on in that study, I encountered this quote by Dr. N.T. Wright. He said this, Mark is a gospel that rewards careful study. Mark is a gospel that rewards careful study. And that quote sparked curiosity in my heart. I started to wonder, had I missed something in this gospel? Was there actually a deeper meaning in these really high-paced stories? And I started to study a little bit deeper. And let me tell you, he's right. This gospel is masterfully assembled. There's plot, and then there's subplot, and then there's sub-sub-subplot, and it's beautiful, and it's profound, and I love the Gospel of Mark. And it got me to thinking, curiosity, I'm so grateful for the curiosity that that quote sparked in me, because now I have a deeper appreciation for this Gospel. It got me to thinking, what's the role of curiosity in the kingdom of God? And we're all a little bit curious right now, aren't we? We're curious about what's going on in our world. We're curious about 
how long is this pandemic going to wreak havoc in our world? We're curious about when will life go back to normal or what about the economic downfall and how many lives are we going to lose? And we're all a little bit curious. And today we're going to encounter a story of a curious soul and his interaction with Jesus. And I think in it, we're going to find lessons about the nature of curiosity in the kingdom of God that can help us as a church engage our world and our time with wisdom. But before we do that, I'd like to pray. Will you pray with me? Jesus, Father, Spirit, make us curious. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear your truth. Help us to encounter you. Help us to know what to do with how crazy our world is today. Give us curious hearts today as we look at your word. We pray in your beautiful matchless name. Amen and amen. Uh, we don't have time to go into all of the, all, all of the chapter, and so I want to focus in on what I think is the heartbeat of Mark chapter 12. But before we do that, let me just set some context. Mark chapter 12, we're in the third act of the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus has made his way to the epicenter of the Jewish and religious system, culture, to Jerusalem. And it's the final week of his ministry, and he's giving his final teachings, and he's really, ultimately, he's waging war against the religious and political systems of his day before he ultimately fulfills his goal of dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And right off the bat in chapter 12, he tells this scathing parable against the religious leaders. And it's as if right away in the chapter, he reaches over and he just turns up the temperature of tension between him and the religious leaders. And this isn't new in the gospel. If you've been following along through the series, almost every single week, there's sort of this butting of the heads between Jesus and the religious leaders. But right here, it gets even more intense. And they know that he's teaching against them. And so they start to enact the plan that they started in chapter 3 to undermine his teaching. They'd already given up on the idea of making the whole crowd hate him. So instead, they decide to try and make him side with one party or the other. And so they send him their best debaters. And there's this environment where they're asking him questions. And it's really powerful, and I encourage you to, to go and read it. But the point is, right before the passage we're going to look at today, there's this environment of intensity, of questions, of debate. And Jesus <laughs> runs these intellectual circles around them. And rather than them pinning him against the corner, he, he totally dismantles their questions and leaves them baffled. And it's in that environment that we see this encounter, starting in verse 28. Read it with me. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he'd answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You're right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one, and there is no one other beside him. 
and to love him with all of the heart and with all of the understanding, with all of the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Just picture this scene for a moment. You know, there's this crowd, they're surrounding Jesus and they're hearing this debate and the religious leaders are posing these questions and Jesus's answers are just making him even more angry because he's coming out looking better than he was before they'd even asked the questions. And it's intense. And then there's this scribe and he, he approaches Jesus with probably the first genuine question from a religious leader in this gospel so far. We know that the other questions were vindictive because of verse 13. They were there to trap him in his talk. But we know that this is a genuine question because of what the scribe does here in, in verse 28. He says, Mark tells us that one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that Jesus answered them well, asked, what's the greatest commandment? And the entire tone of the chapter up into this point changes it. It's as if all of the noisy crowd and anger quiets and all you hear is Jesus's voice and this scribe and they're having this, this meeting of the minds in the midst of this hostile mob. You see, curiosity is the doorway to encounter. Curiosity is the doorway to encounter. This scribe, he sees Jesus' brilliance and he, he gets a little bit curious. What if, what if Jesus, what if this man can answer one of my real questions? And that curiosity, they banter. It drives them to, to converse, to, to dialogue. And they have this, this moment in the midst of this crowd. Curiosity is the doorway to encounter. When I was in high school, I met this girl my junior year. And I remember when you're a genuine trying to follow Jesus kind of young guy, you develop this thing called Christian girl radar. <laughs> Someone had told me that this girl loved Jesus. And so she blipped on my radar and I started to observe. I was a little bit curious about her. And she was like this beam of light around my school. And I remember I started talking to my best friend about her and and for some strange reason, I was trying to convince him to date her. I don't know why. I mean, guys are just stupid at that age, myself included. And I, I, I guess I was more interested in, or I thought I was more interested in these really stoic, sort of stuck up, I don't know, boring girls. And I remember one night I was talking about this girl and my best friend looked at me and he said, dude, why are you trying to pawn her off on me? You like this girl. I thought to myself, Oh my gosh, he's right. <laughs> I do like this girl. And I, I got even more curious about her. And admittedly, maybe slightly creepily, I started to stalk her on my high school. I started to follow her in between classes. And eventually my curiosity led to a relationship. And eventually, after a little bit of heartbreak, I made her my wife. That girl was my wife, Allison. <laughs> She was this beam of light and curiosity led me to encounter the person that I would ultimately marry. Curiosity is the doorway 
to encounter. And it's no different with the relationship with God. Curiosity is the doorway to encounter the person of Jesus. And maybe you're here and you're watching this stream and you're not even sure why you're here. You found a link online, <laughs> someone sent it to you, you stumbled across this, and I, you're, not, you're not even sure why you're watching this right now. Maybe someone's forcing you to watch it, I don't know. And you have lots of skepticism about Christianity and about faith and you don't understand this and the Bible has errors and all of these things, but let me, but you've always had this little spark of curiosity about the person of Jesus. Follow that curiosity. I'm naturally a super skeptical person. I've had tons of questions in my faith. <laughs> and there's some really interesting and profound answers to a lot of those questions, but that's not the point. Because Christianity isn't about all of that, ultimately. Until you've dealt with the person of Jesus and asked, answered the question, who was Jesus? Who do you think Jesus was? You have yet to deal with Christianity at its core at all. So don't let your questions about why is the church and why is there hypocrisy and what is this there, and don't let that detour your curiosity about Jesus because there's time to answer those other questions. So if that's you today, maybe a practice you could try to explore your curiosity is to read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are accounts that we have about Jesus. And ask yourself, who was this Jesus? What was he like? What do you think he is? Who do you think he is? Or maybe you're here and you're watching the stream and you've been a Christian for a long time. I know there's a lot of you within South Fellowship Church like that. But your faith has grown a little bit stale or dry. Your heart feels a little bit cold about your relationship with God. And you, you hear people talk about this personal, dynamic relationship with the living God and you I just don't feel that anymore. And you miss that vibrancy that took place in the beginning of your relationship with God. Let me propose to you that curiosity is still the doorway to encounter. If that's you and you feel like your relationship with God is, has grown quiet or still, get curious. The risk we run the longer we walk with Jesus is we start to, to think we know all the answers. We hear a lot of sermons, we memorize the books, of the, uh, the, 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 the books of the Bible, and we know all the do's and all the don'ts, and we, we start to systematize it, and everything fits in a row. And as soon as we eliminate curiosity, we eliminate vibrant encounter with the living God. So stoke that curiosity. Ask harder questions. Don't let the scriptures become stale to you. When there's something that confuses you, ask questions about it. Don't be satisfied with the, the simple Sunday school answers anymore. Keep on drilling. If something bothers you, keep fighting for it. If you haven't heard that still small voice in your heart in the presence of God, that's a problem. <laughs> ask yourself why. Is there some sort of hardness in your heart that's preventing you from hearing Jesus? Be curious. Curiosity is the doorway to encounter. But it's more. It's not the only thing that curiosity does for the scribe. Curiosity also leads this, it not only leads the scribe to a profound encounter with the person of Jesus, but it also leads him to an answer to the question that he asked. Remember, this whole interaction started with a question. 
It started with this question. What's the greatest commandment? And his curiosity leads him to an answer. See, Jesus' answer, the beginning part of his answer is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the Shema. And for this scribe, it's one of the most familiar passages to him because he probably recited it every morning and every evening. Any devout Jew would have recited that. So it was very familiar. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he goes on, he said, the second is this. And at first it seems like his answer is sort of like this, this second part is a bonus answer. But then Jesus does something really interesting with his words. He said, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment, singular, greater than these, plural. This isn't just a bonus answer. You can't have one without the other. Jesus is saying the greatest commandment is these. Love God, love others. They're both critically important. So curiosity leads the scribe to the heartbeat of all of the commands of Scripture. Curiosity reframes the rules around love. Love God love others. Those two commands fulfill all of the others. So this scribe's curiosity leads him to the biggest picture. In the U.S. military, there's this idea of commander's intent. Commander's intent is when a commander will state to his troops and to all of his different battalions or, or whatever, whether they're army or whatever, I don't know, I'm not a military expert, but he'll state to his troops the ultimate goal of any given engagement. And the reason he does that is because over time, the military has learned that the nature of war is so dynamic and fluid that all of their best laid plans, if they, if they don't state the ultimate goal, it doesn't empower the troops to make dynamic decision in the heat of battle. And so, for example, they say, take that hill. Now, they might have a subtask to, to go and hold this ground or support this other battalion or whatever, but if they get to that task and the battalion's already been taken over or something, what do they do next? Well, they fall back on commander's intent. Take that hill. If they lose communication with the commander and they don't know what's next, they always know commander's intent. Church, love is commander's intent. There's a reason this passage is called the greatest commandment passage. Love is commander's intent. And in the world that we live in today, that hasn't changed. Love is commander's intent. We need to let that drive us to innovate, to be creative in times like that. We, I mean, we have so many limitations at, right now, but love stays commander's intent. We've got to get curious. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but it means we've got to get innovative. We've got to figure out ways to continue to show love to others and grow in our love for God. So get curious. Curiosity reframes the rules around love. So maybe a practice you can do to help you reframe the rules is to just ask yourself this, Lord, what does love demand of me?
given all of the limitations, all of the changes in our world today, how might I show love today? And then do it. <laughs> so curiosity is the doorway to encounter. Curiosity reframes the rules around love. But I haven't addressed my favorite line in this whole interaction. It's found in verse 34. Read it with me. It says, and when Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I just love that line. You're so close. You're so close, scribe. And I was, as I was studying this, I started to ask myself, okay, well, curiosity got him to the doorway of the kingdom. You're so close. What is it ultimately that would have gotten this scribe all the way inside the kingdom? Well, this chapter doesn't answer that question directly, but that's actually the question of the entire Gospel of Mark. So if you zoom back, you can't answer that question. If you zoom back and look at the meta-narrative of, of the Gospel of Mark, right in the first section of, of Mark, Mark tells us who he thinks Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. But then the rest of the Gospel of Mark, he's curated these stories with this question underneath the surface, who is this man? And he wants to show us what Jesus is. And he wants us to come to that same conclusion, conclusion that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, curiosity can get you to the threshold of the kingdom, but embracing Jesus as Messiah, as king of the kingdom and teacher of the kingdom, is what gets you all the way inside. Curiosity can bring you near to the kingdom, but embracing Jesus as Messiah is what ultimately gets you all the way inside. So curiosity is the doorway to encounter. Curiosity reframes the rules around love, and curiosity brings you near to the kingdom of God. But there's one more thing going on in this, this chapter, in this little section, in this interaction with the scribe. And it takes place here, right after Jesus answers the scribe in verse 32, the scribe begins to verbally process Jesus' answer. He's like, yeah, you're right, Jesus. Lo loving God, that, that's really important. And, and, and loving others, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he does something really, really fascinating. He actually takes Jesus' words one step further than Jesus took them himself. Look at it. He says, and to love one's neighbors oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus didn't say that. But this, this man's curious mind fills in the blanks. It's as if Jesus had created this connect the dot image of what the kingdom's all about. Dot number one, love God. Dot number two, love others. And then the scribe cuts Jesus off and says, dot number three, this is the fulfillment of all of the law. To love God and love others is more important than all of the sacrificial system. Curiosity ultimately functions like this, this tour guide of the kingdom. It enables us to see the world in three dimensions. Listen, 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 listen. This is really, really important. Curiosity is the tour guide of the kingdom of God. It's curious love 
curiosity, not just curiosity, but curiosity connected to, the, to love that propels the church to bring the kingdom. It's what allows this scribe to start to see underneath the primary agenda of Jesus' entire ministry. Curious love is the tour guide of the kingdom of God. So what about you? How curious are you in this crazy world that we live in today? When was the last time you changed your mind about something related to your faith? I mean, if you haven't asked hard questions like that, then maybe you aren't very close to the heartbeat of the kingdom. When was the last time you were curious enough to dig deeper and fight for encounter with Jesus? If you're not hearing Jesus' voice right now, you got to get curious about that. Or when was the last time you were actually curious about someone else? Listen, curiosity is what makes love possible. Think about that. Without curiosity, you can't have love. Curiosity drives relationship between one human being to another. Curiosity is what causes you to understand and get to know and intimately relate with another person. And if you haven't been curious about how someone really is, what they dream about, what are their fears, then you haven't loved them well. So get curious about someone. Don't assume you know. I mean, every once in a while, in my relationship with Allison, I'll, I'll, ask, her, I'll ask her, what's, what's your favorite color? <laughs> and sometimes I'm surprised because it changes. Curiosity drives relationship. Get curious. If you haven't, you haven't loved them. When was the last time you were curious about God? What does he think about what's going on in the world right now? Have you asked... Have you, have you heard his voice? Do you know what he loves about you? If you're not fighting for answers for, to questions like this, then maybe you haven't loved God. Get to know his personality. Get to know the way he would interact with the situations around us. Get curious. In AD 249 to 262, Western civilization was devastated by one of the deadliest pandemics in history. Though the exact cause of the plague is uncertain, the city of Rome was said to have lost an astounding 5,000 people per day at the height of this pandemic. But the church, the early church, engaged that pandemic with love. And it was something that had never been seen in history before. People were leaving their loved ones behind out of fear of this plague. But the church was going into the plague to care for and love people. And, and that response was unlike anything that the world had ever seen. So much so that a century later, the Emperor Julian was attempting to curb the growth of Christianity after this plague by leading a campaign to establish pagan charities that mirrored the work of Christians in the realm. And he was frustrated because these pagan charities just didn't portray the love like the church was. And the way the, the church responded to this pandemic was so different that people started to, 
embrace the way of Jesus in droves. And Christianity was booming and exploding. And you may not know this or acknowledge this, but all of Western, all of our Western worldview has been shaped by the way the church loved people through situations like war, persecution, and yes, pandemics. The fact that we believe that every human life is valuable stems directly from the teachings of Jesus, driven by this curious love. Love God, love others. And even a secular historian recently came out with a book. His name's Tom Holland, and he, he, he's studying the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Paul the Apostle, and he concludes this. Listen to this. Today, even as belief in God fades across the West, the countries that were once collectively known as Christendom continue to bear the stamp of a two-millennia-old revolution that Christianity represents. It is the principal reason why, by and large, most of us who live in post-Christian societies still take it for granted that it is nobler to suffer than to inflict suffering. It's why we genuine, genuinely assume that every human life is of equal value. In my morals and ethics, I have learned to accept that I am not Greek, I'm not Roman at all, but thoroughly and proudly Christian. The church's response to suffering in this world has changed the face of history. And we are in a time and a situation in our world today where the church has an opportunity to rise up and be really, really curious about how to show love. Imagine with me, church, <laughs> the innovations across the global church that might take place during this season in our crazy, crazy world. Imagine we get really innovative in how to create human connection when we can't see each other. Imagine the innovations that might take place and imagine how much glory and beauty and goodness that it casts on the teacher, Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who taught us that curious love is the tour guide of the kingdom of God. Curious love is the engine that drives us into his kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, we need your help. I don't even know how to apply all of this yet, Lord, but help us to get really curious in how we show love in this season. Help us to figure out how to apply the truth of loving God, loving you, and loving others with all of the limitations that we have in our world today. We love you, Jesus. Go before us. Give us wisdom. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life. Again.
Oh, Jesus, it's our, it's our pleasure to worship you today. I, I love those words, Jesus. We love you. You're the one our hearts adore. And for all of us, no matter where we're at, or spread around the country as we gather to, to worship you, we just honor you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are. Lord, would you bring comfort to those who are hurting? Would you bring peace to those who feel chaos in their soul? And for all of us, would you bring joy? season and I ask all of this in the strong powerful name of Jesus and right where you are together this church said amen. Thanks for joining us today for Church Online just to remind you you can still give uh, online by going to southfellowship.org slash give you can give that way. You can also bring your gift by the church during Monday through Thursday workday um, or you can mail your gift to the church as well Uh, So much is going on right now. Stay tuned to our website, southfellowship.org. We try to give the latest updates with everything happening from COVID, how to stay connected, how to get connected. Um, And I want to tell you that if you need help, if you're in this season and you need something, we have a team uh, that started a brand new thing called South Cares that's ready to help you, whether it's running errands or providing you some food or supplies or prayer, whatever it is, you can also find out about that on our website, southfellowship.org. .org as well. Don't forget, you can stay after, right after this gathering, right now in the chat box. We have Zoom rooms. Um, there's just a link. You can click that and fire it up. And last week, we had 50-some-odd people, I think, come into those. And it's good because you get to see everybody Brady Bunch style. And then we break up into rooms of small four or five people. And we get to connect with one another to see other people and to pray. So jump into a Zoom room right now. We'll do those every week after our gatherings. That info's on our website. Everything, and I talked about it more, southfellowship.org. We love you guys. We're so grateful for you. Thanks for tuning in.